the gospel reading today, uh, we continue on through Luke. And I have a question for you. Have you ever thought that you knew somebody? Here's kind of what I mean. There's been quite a few times now, and my wife can attest to this, that we are walking along a street somewhere, and I look somewhere down the sidewalk, quarter of a block, a half a block, a block away, and I see a silhouette of somebody. And I say, I think I know them. And she says, what does it matter? And I say, no, I think I know them. I'm pretty sure I know who that is. And then we get a little bit closer as we're walking along, and I call out their name. And they turn around. It's not them. <laughs> but they turned around. And so now what? Now I stand there and I go, oh, hi. <laughs> because I, didn't, I thought I knew them. I thought I knew who they were. I thought I remembered exactly who that person was. I was pretty certain I would remember them. Sometimes I just forgot their name, and I actually did know them from somewhere. Sometimes I, it was totally the wrong person. <laughs> and those times can get kind of sort of awkward. Um, but there's times that we think we know somebody. As we walk in our text today, there's... A little sense of that. So remember our setting again. Jesus is walking along from Galilee to the cross. If we were to jump back four chapters into chapter 9 of Luke, we would hear Luke say that Jesus has set his face towards Jerusalem. That means nothing's going to deter him from his mission. Nothing is going to shake him from his path. And so he's on a mission. He is on a direction. He is on his way to Jerusalem. Not everybody following him knew exactly what that meant, but he did. He knew that ahead of him in Jerusalem was the cross. And so that starts to shape some of our understanding of all of these conversations, because a lot of these gospel texts that we've been reading through the last couple of weeks are kind of hard to hear. And there's lots of questions in them as well. And so as they're walking along, it doesn't really say where, and it doesn't really say who, uh, but just as someone asked him, Lord, why are so few being saved? It's a good question. It's a question we wrestle with. But let me remind you too, you're not the ones that were walking along with Christ. Remember, these were a group of Israelites for the most part. These were a group of uh, Jewish-born and Jewish by religion folks that were walking along with Christ from Galilee within Israel that would trace their lineage back to Abraham, and they're walking along with him, seeing him as the Messiah that they thought they knew, this Messiah that was going to bring in God's kingdom, this Messiah that was going to bring peace amongst the nations, this Messiah that was going to lead them into a beautiful, peaceful time that their people had not seen in a very long time. And we don't know the motivation of his question, whether it's kind of a self-focused motivation, am I one of those few, Jesus? Or if it was a broader one of, Jesus, why just the Israelites? Why are so few being saved, Lord? And so they had to wrestle with that question. You see, in, a, is, in an Israelite mindset, in that Hebrew mindset, in a Jewish mindset, as they're walking along, they were already in. 
They were already in the house. They were already in the good graces of God. They had been following the laws that they knew. They had been doing the sacrifices they were supposed to do. They were of the right lineage, coming from the right forefathers. They were already in. They thought they had it made. And Jesus, being Jesus, doesn't answer their question. Happens a lot in Scripture, right? How many questions have you laid out there for God that you haven't really gotten an answer to in a straight way? It happens. But he focuses the question where the focus needs to be made. See, he doesn't answer, well, hey, just a few are being saved, or here's why a few are being saved, or really there's more that are going to be saved. He focuses the guy in and he says, hey, strive to enter through the narrow door. Because... You're going to see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all of those inside at the wedding feast of the kingdom. And to be outside that door where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth is not where you want to be. So strive to enter in the narrow door. When the master of the house has risen and shut the door, you're going to come knock on it and say, Lord, open to me. And he's going to say, I I don't know where you come from. I don't know who you are. I don't know where you are coming to me for. I don't know why you're even here. I don't know you. Now that that can cause a little bit of uncertainty. That can cause some things for you that start to make you think, well, where am I at? Am I in the door? Am I out of the door? But again, remember, you're not them. They're walking before Christ's death and resurrection. They're walking in a circle of religion and in a setting that you are not in. So he's looking at them and he's saying, strive, strive to follow me. Strive to enter in through the narrow door. Strive to see what is happening in this time. Strive. It's because there's someone else that strives. Satan strives. Because Satan also knows who you are. He knows you as a creation of God. He knows you as one that he would love to separate from God. He knows your weaknesses better than you know. He knows the things that will break you down better than you know them. He knows the things that will separate you from the creator in ways that you may not even understand. And they're so subtle sometimes. It can be the easiest of things. In the garden, it was God's own word. Talk about subtle. Did God really say that? Did he really promise that? Satan strives, continues to strive, continues to strive to separate all that he can of creation from the Creator. So Jesus looks at these folks that are following him and he says, strive. Strive to enter in through the narrow door. And so as we walk, we we start to see where our striving continues to fall short though. We can do as much as we can to try and be near Jesus. We can do as much as we can to try and say the right things, think the right things, yet we still walk in every Sunday and we walk through a confession that says, I am sorry for what I have sinned in thought, word, and deed. My striving isn't good enough, Lord. 
Where am I at? Do you know me? Am I outside the door? Am I inside the door? And if we focus in on our striving, we're left in quite a bit of confusion. We're left in quite a bit of uncertainty. And if I were to stop this sermon now, you would all go home wondering whether or not you want to come back next week and hear God's word again. But like with Caleb and Carter, who were just standing right up here, with God's name placed upon their forehead, God knows you. He's the one that stands up and he says, I know you. I know you better than Satan knows you. And I know you and I know what I've done for you. I know that you are my child because you carry my name. I know that you are my child because you hear my word. I know that you're my child because my faith that I've given you as a gift rests within your heart and I continue to strengthen that faith so that you hold on to my promises. And my promises are that you're mine. That you're mine. Because God knows you. You don't have to wonder if you're in the door or out of the door. You don't have to wonder whether or not you're like on one of the old Christmas movies where you're looking through the window to see what everybody else is eating while you stand out in the snow. You are God's child. His name was placed upon your forehead in baptism. You are named with his name. He knows where you come from. He knows who you are. He knows that you're his. And those promises rest on your life. That's what Christ died for. Died to bring peace between you and God, to bring creation and creator together and to say that you are in that. You are in that peace because what Christ has done. You are forgiven of the things that separate us from Christ because of what he has done for you. So that wedding feast of the kingdom of God, that table where they recline with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all those that have walked along in faith, you get to sit at that table also. Now, after the cross, though, there's still a little striving to happen. It's not striving to gain and enter. It's not striving to work our way in to try and be at that table. It's not striving uh, to see that we've done enough stuff, but it's a striving to see who else can hear that good news. It's a striving to walk in the faith that God strengthens us in. Again, not for our benefit, but for the benefit of those around us. Jesus has done everything for you for your benefit before God and now says, strive in a different sense as the north and the south and the east and the west and the people from all of those places have been called together to be loved by God through what Christ has done. Now he says, strive, get the word out. Let others know about my love for them. Tell them about me. Tell them how I want to know them. Point to Christ. Speak into their lives. Bring that truth and that love and that peace into a relationship there so that they can hear something that they won't hear from anywhere else. It's one of the few things that every single person in the world wants is to be known. And to talk to somebody, to let them know that they're known by God, the creator of the universe. That's an amazing thing. And to trust and that promise that God has given you, that he knows you. And on that day that Jesus comes back and people are standing there before him wondering if they're known, he's going to say, I know you. Come here. 
I got a feast waiting. In Jesus' name, amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your work in placing your name upon us in our baptisms, for strengthening our faith by your word and by your spirit and by your gracious meal, where we receive the gift of your son and his life and resurrection and the peace that he has brought between you and us as you give us strength each day to know that we are known by you. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen.